this spring. It's going to be a slow, steady start to the spring. And I think by March and April, there's a very good potential we're going to be back into crazy time. And then you're going to be mad that you're competing with all the other people that waited till February and March. It's almost like mating season for real estate. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. Welcome, Bucket. Welcome back, everybody. Let me try that again to another episode. Welcome back to another episode of the. Well, it's we're off to a good start here. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Tom Story Show. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day. If you're listening as this comes out on your Sunday, I hope your weekend's going well. If you're driving in the car later in the week, listening, well, I hope your drive is going well. If you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't already, make sure to like this video if you learned anything new today and subscribe to the channel. And for our audio listeners, we ask this every. Every single week and you know Steve they're not really listening we would appreciate a five-star review if you come here every single week so when you're not driving make sure to go check out Apple Podcasts and leave us a review this episode is also sponsored by our channel sponsor Realty Ninja you'll learn more about them later in the show this week's guest is getting over strep throat but he's battling and he's here and he's gonna make it happen Andrew Perry has joined the show Andrew I feel like I've known who you were for a long time. We probably communicated with each other maybe over the last few years. So Andrew runs the finest states team out in Niagara on the lake. You're, I think you're our first guest ever from out that way. So welcome to the show. Oh, oh wow. Ben. Hang on. Ben's going to be so mad at you. Oh, Ben. Sorry. Ben was on the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but is Ben Niagara on the lake or he's a little bit? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, he actually lives. Yeah, he's a true Niagara on the lake boy. Oh, my okay. gosh. Ben Ellens. What a great guy. I uh, I take back everything I've said. You're their second guest <laughs> Niagara on the lake. Well, welcome to the show, man. So for the people yeah. that don't know you, give us a little background on who's Andrew. What do you do? Why are we here? What are we talking about? Well, you know what? So um, I've taken years to prepare this so you know what people used to call uh but they go they call me a realtor they introduce me to their friends and family hey this is andrew it's a realtor and there's nothing wrong with that uh, but i think what i do and the level of value that i give to myself and my company is that i deserve a little bit more of a, a dignitation <laughs> i don't even know if that's a word so maybe i don't deserve anything uh, but you know what I, I i run the number two team in all of niagara um, I run an office for Revel Realty in Niagara-on-the-Lake as well as Muskoka, and um, we're expanding every year. So you know what? If you just want to call me Andrew, that's fine, uh, but I like to call myself the CEO of the Fine Estates team. And the Fine Estates team, by the way, is a wonderful name for a real estate team. Like right away, I'm like, oh, that means that's luxury. That's real nice stuff. Was there a lot of thought put into what you're going to call it? Was it ever just like the Andrew Perry team that turned into the Fine Estates team? Was that always the direction? Yeah, so I never, because I knew my path in real estate, um, I knew that just doing my own name was never going to be, never going to do me any justice based on my succession or exit plan. So I always wanted my agents to have their own brand within our brand. Um, so I, I just felt like it, 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 it it gave way to what we were actually doing here. So the fine life is our hashtag. That's my podcast that you were on. Yeah. Um, it just, it's just, we know that most people's assets are their, 
are also their savings. So, you know, their home that they're selling, that might be the only savings that they have. So we want to treat each transaction as if it's the most important transaction of one's life. So that when, because mm. most of my clients are 55 plus. So when they oh. get out and they've sold that, that home and they can cash in on that savings, it's time to start living the fine life. You've heard it here first. You can't own an estate, uh, an estate level property unless you're over 55. I think that kind of adds up for most of for most of Canada. Now, something that I think would be interesting to start the show with. You mentioned briefly there. So you're at Rebel Realty, correct? That's the name of the brokerage. Uh, Revel with a V. Revel. Revel. I'm sorry. I I get them mixed up sometimes. Sorry. So, but for for consumers listening, so. I've run polls on the channel about this. Steve knows I love my polls. And I ask people like, do you care the brand of real estate agency that you hire or are you hiring the agent instead? Now, there's a lot of people we've had on the show from Remax, from Royal Page. We had Phil Soper, the president of Royal Page, on the show. I'm with Royal Page. Steve's with like a more name brand in his market. How have you found that transition? Did you start there where you had a bigger brand before? And do, do people care? Do consumers care if you're with a brand that's been around for 100 years or something that's 10 years old but it's expanding very fast? Yeah, so you know what? One of my first brokerage was Royal LePage, actually, downtown okay. Niagara on the Lake. And I, and I went with that brokerage because, you know, I think Canadian real estate, I think Royal LePage. So that's what I went to. And um, I wasn't really at the time too worried about culture or, uh, you know, the collaborative spaces like Mm. teams weren't even a big thing when I started. And I was coming from the corporate world and I'm like, hey, look, I'm an entrepreneur now. I've, I've run sales teams. I can do this myself. And I realized that that's real estate's a lonely business. You can't do it alone. So um, that's when I left to go to Revel. And in that transition, no, nobody cared. Maybe my existing listings that I had because they were just worried about a different sign in front of their house uh, that maybe it's presented uh, differently. But no, nobody seems to mind. And and honestly, the way that we market ourselves, it's it's much more powerful on a local level than the brokerage anyhow. So half the time, our clients don't even know who we're working with. Steve, do your clients ever ask you who you work for? Is that a big draw into why people call you? Or is it I'm calling Steve and he so happens to work for this company? They, I don't, generally speaking, I don't think they care. I think it matters um, it definitely matters more for the agent, obviously, but yeah. you know, I do usually have to, because we are, a, a West coast brokerage. I do have to educate a lot of people. Everybody knows who Remax is. Everybody knows who, uh, Royal LePage is. Not everybody knows who McDonald Realty is. So that's where the, the education does come through. Um, you know, the focus should be on the individual agent themselves, but, um, where my mind goes in that is when you do see. I've never heard of you realty. What what's going on? Right? Like that that is a bit of a so are you going are are have I never heard of you because you are like I only deal with this ultra luxury product or are you new or are you a company that just doesn't work well with other people so you thought you'd go out on your own? Like these are all the things that I think a consumer would focus on if you're not with the big guys. Have you had those objections, Andrew? Oh yeah, you know we'd uh, have a, have people call it uh, 
Ravel instead of Revel. You know, they, they're like, are you guys from Montreal? Is this a French company? Royal Lepage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Uh, our owners, Ryan and Nikki, they've done a tremendous job locally building just a remarkable reputation that although maybe the people coming, because Niagara is a, this is where a lot of people come into, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that have come into and now uh, looking to sell, they say, hey, we see your signs everywhere, but we don't know who the heck you are. And what have you noticed for the first, you know, 15, 20, 30 days of 2024? Are you noticing that there's not as many listings on the market? Is action picking up? You know, we've talked about this a lot. We're going into last year, 2023. No one was really feeling like it was going to be a great year. I know you personally had a great year. I had my best year ever. Steve had one of his Same. best years ever. Yep. So I know we can do it in down markets for us. But but if you look at you know, to start this year, there seems to be more optimism in the air than there was to start last year. Are you seeing that in the decisions that people are making? I was telling Steve just before recording this, like my last few days, I've been on back to back to back to back appointments with buyers and sellers. Like it's been nonstop. Mm -hmm. Now, not all of them have done something yet, but they're certainly thinking about it. Have you seen that same thing in your market? No, no. All of our listings, we've been averaging about like 20, 30 listings to 50 listings a day. However, However, which is a lot for us, it's average. However, they're all relistings, right? So anybody who is in not of need to sell, we're telling all of our sellers just to wait. Like yeah. if, if you don't have to sell, why, why don't you just wait for the rates to go down? Whereas all of our buyers were like, let's get the heck out there and let's start buying. But the people who seriously can't afford another month on the market, they're relisting at lower yeah. prices. The people that are they tell- relisting Sorry, at lower prices though? Like, are they? Yep. Are they yep. coming back yep. on? So the stuff that maybe came off the market or expired December thirty first or just before Christmas are they are they coming back on the market? And uh, are they coming back on the market at a realistic selling price, or are they still out to the moon? It, it it's really tough because Niagara has so many. Same like Toronto, there's so many different pockets and things like that, but. To them, for the most part, I think people are smartening up. If uh, if they have any good agent behind them, they're like, "Okay, is this a must? If it is, then you've got to lower that price." And the people that you're telling to wait, is it to wait to get a higher price, or just that you think it will be better in the spring, and a lot of people are waiting till the spring, or do they want a certain price, and you're like, "I just can't get that for you now, but maybe I can get that for you in three or four months." Yeah, exactly. So what we're experiencing is that a lot of people are coming in with these high numbers that we just can't justify at this point. Not only that, again, a lot of my clients, 55 plus, a lot of these folks, we don't want to put them through the stress of just having a sign in front of your house for 60, 90, 100 days, 120 plus, where it, it really stresses the clients out. You know, as much as we do our jobs, as much as we're calling them every day, providing them feedback, mm-hmm. no update is an update. You know, we're trying our best to communicate with our clients every day, but that can't stop the internal stress that goes on just naturally with being a seller. Do you think your market has started slightly slower than maybe what me and Steve are, are seeing because like, are these all people's main homes or is there a lot of secondary homes being bought up there in the luxury market that people don't live in all year round? No, most of them are their home. Okay. Uh, a big other chunk of listings that we are putting on are the uh, multifamily or investment properties where people are like, hey, they're not cash flowing. We need them yeah. gone. 
Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that every single day. Uh, still yeah. right yeah. now, well over 65% of downtown condos are vacant or tenanted as of as of filming yeah. this. So you, you know who's yeah. trying to sell it. Uh, Steve, but what's, you, go, what's going on right now, Tom? In your market, like, is, like, uh, sure, activity, it sounds like it's picking up, but, like, we're on fire. We're, we're not on fire. fire. We're not, we're not no? on fire, buddy. No, we're like... You know, the train's moving at, at uh, you know, 20 kilometers per hour. I think you're maybe at 80. And and sounds like Andrew's market's like, you know, just, you know, a rolling stop situation. Like, they're they're going to start moving soon. But we're, we're by no means on fire. It's it's busy, but busy compared to what? Compared to the yeah. slowest year in, in the last 20 years? Or are you oh. busy compared to, like, the busy years for Steve? We're definitely not. I mean, it's not. 28 offers unconditional that's for damn sure but yeah. it is definitely like okay should we start thinking about putting offer dates back on these yeah we should we should i probably should really? have actually i have a i have a property that hit today that has an offer date on it um the last listing i had uh, i mean we got a very good offer on it i was very happy with it it's much higher than my evaluation um we, and we also listed higher than where my evaluation was so we listed mm. the what we call in the industry the seller's price and we still got over asking on that isn't it so, great when you're wrong in the other direction it's great yeah, it is <laughs> it is it kind of makes you look like you know you were trying to undershoot it in the first place but like i've got a building where i'm like listen the last three sales are at this number um and we overshot that by let's call it 25 grand on a low-end condo and we're well above that and I probably again could have put an offer date on it. Who knows? So like it's the the market has picked up again really really quickly. But we've dropped from in September six thousand active listings to four thousand. So we've right. had a fifty. Well, we can go up another fifty percent in active listings from now before we get to a healthy market. Hey agents, a clean and easy to manage real estate website is a must. Go to realtyninja.com/tom right now and start your site totally for free and pay nothing until you launch. And then when it is your time to go live, you will save 20% off of your entire first year just for signing up at realtyninja.com slash Tom. That's, and do you think that's just because it's still so early in the year? You think by February, like the inventory catches up and it that's not happening again? Because I was even surprised before recording this this morning, I had a call with people that were buying a Toronto condo for their daughter coming in from market outside. And they sent me, you know, you know, how clients always send you a few listings at the beginning. And you're like, well, th there's a reason why this one didn't sell. That's a fake price. But I was shocked that condos, which are still very, very much in a balance pushing towards buyer's market in the city. Um, there was offer dates on like three of the listings they sent me. I'm like, either these agents don't know what they're doing or I haven't caught on yet and this is working yeah. again. I, I guess we'll find out in the next week. Or I, I sound like for Andrew, like offer dates. Are people even trying those at this point for you guys? Oh my God, no, not for three years. Um, <laughs> I, I did actually see one that got relisted uh, yesterday, actually that an offer, and it really surprised me. Um, number one, because there was an offer date. Number two, because it was still in the realtor remarks after it's been relisted. I don't understand why they did that, but um, you know what? Not to say, like our deal, our team's still done eight deals this year. We oh. had a very busy Christmas break. We did too, weirdly. The Christmas break was very busy. Um, we just we have I think thirty five listings right now, and we're, there's only one or two that's actually getting showings. So that's what, kind of how I judge it. You know, uh, you guys are really good, and you know Daniel Fausch. Um, I think I'm saying his name right. Yeah. Um, you, you guys are really good at um, 
you know, taking care of the market stats, what our team really focuses on is because of our volume is we've just kind of focus on our stats and what's happening because th they paint a strong picture because we're so localized. We focus on, you know, we, we have things uh, in different markets, of course, but majority of our business comes from one area. And, you know, my business is 90% agent agent referral. So I'm getting the inside scoop. You say 90, the, 90. Yeah, 90. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about that later in this episode. That's, that's wild. And, and again, that's my personal business, not our entire team's sure. business, right? But so I get the inside scoop from people like you in Toronto. And, you know, while we're working on this referral together, what's happening with their listing, what's happening with ours. So, you know, I, I love hopping on, uh, you know, podcasts with, with people like you because I get to understand, you know, how to really analyze the market stats because w with us, we can only really... I don't know each situation of each listing, why it didn't sell, why it why it did sell. You know, because right now we're in such a weird space. Uh, space we're seeing, we're seeing properties sell at prices that I'm like, how in the world did that sell for that? Mm -hmm. Or hey, that's an amazing price. Why is that home still on the market? So we just try to internalize everything as much as we can when we're presenting our information to our sellers, and you know, we just kind of go from there. Now, as of December 1st, uh, Tressa kicked in uh, here in Ontario, and I actually think the, the clarity in the forms that you have to present to people when you talk with them, I think is great. It kind of takes away all the confusion of who's representing who. I think it's not perfect. I can see Steve smirking because he's had to do this for years anyways on over there. But one of the things mm. that I haven't yet seen is this Oprah open offer scenario where the sellers say, yep, I'm taking offers and I'm going to release all the information about them and you can use a platform or you can just tell everyone that submits the offer. Have you dealt with that yet? Or is it just not going to happen until the market actually starts picking up? I, I don't think we ever will. Niagara is still kind of uh, redneckish, right? You know, we're still out in the boonies. We, we, we're still small town feels, you know, even though we're about 400,000 from Grimsby to Fort Erie. I don't think I don't like we're very you don't think sellers would be here. interested in trying that out if but what if so what here's what I'm thinking so someone's the first one to do it and they get all the attention and they're like oh my god they did the open offer and the house actually sold for more than they thought because all the information was out there and someone felt mm -hmm. comfortable going five grand higher and they're like and then you have enough data to go hey the ones that did the open offer has actually sold for 3% more. You want to give it a shot? I think that's maybe where if sellers can find out they can make more money that way, it could be interesting. And that goes I, against what I think a lot of people think is going to happen with open offers. But I, I think I, we just do, we're just not in the market for it right now. And I, and I don't know when we're going to be coming back. You know, if the Bank of Canada does decrease like they're planning on, then, hey, if we, if we want to bring COVID 2.0 out again, yeah, we're willing to try any strategy. I'm kind of looking at 2024, like, so 2023 was like not a great year for sales volume for most markets, right? We yeah. saw some decent prices actually across the board, which I think was surprising to some. So yeah. that was like year one. I think you're still going to see a lot of shakeups and, and things happening in 2024, which is year two of this, where... I don't really know how this year is going to play out. It could be great. It could be bad. We'll have to see here. It's way too early. It sounds like it's starting great for Steve. It's starting pretty good for us. And it's starting kind of at the beginning line for you. Yeah. But I think once once, once the talk, whether or not it's actually going to have an impact on the market, once the talk of all this mortgage renewals ends by the end of 2025 or midway through 2025, I'm like kind of worried 
that the market's going to accelerate very fast. And I'm, and I'm not excited about it. Like I, I'm, I'm truly worried about what's going to happen. And then we're going to look back at this and be like, and I get it. People will comment, oh, a realtor says price is going to go up. Yeah, I get it. But like, what's going to happen? Because all this talk, I'll tell you a personal story. Sorry, Andrew, this is the longest question of all time. <laughs> I just sold a condo that had been on the market for 24 days for just under $1.3 million. That is a percentage of condos selling in that. And I represent the seller. That's a percentage of condos selling that is not a lot happens in that price range, right? Because you can go buy a semi-attached house. You can buy a freehold townhouse in that price range. And I didn't even ask the other agent, but near the end, she's like, yeah, I just want to let you know too. Like, you know, my clients are, you know, they're, they're new to Canada and they're buying this cash. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So point one on like, yes, immigration does have some level of, some of them have money coming to this country, not all of them. And I'm just, if it keeps at this rate, I'm a little bit worried from mid 2025 and onwards, what's going to happen in the cycle of real estate prices. Um, any thoughts on that? I, I think mainly is that why revert the hell that you just put us through for the last two years and, and to just have it disappear like, like it was nothing. And this is why I get a little upset about this because I have multiple properties and no, I didn't do a variable like everybody on TikTok is in my comments. All right. I, I bought a house. Usually I do one year or sometimes I do do variables, but I said, hey, look, this is more of our family home. We usually move every two to five years. Let's go with the three year. So this is 2020. I had to renew. I was at 2.5 and I had to renew in September at 6.6. .6. I was paying $3,500 and it went up to $7,000. So over the course of two years, I have to spend what, 70,000, something like that in interest only for no damn reason, no damn reason. And then they just go back to normal, except by the time everything goes back to normal, the prices will have increased what, five, 10, 15%, maybe even yeah. more. So yeah, that it's, it's a little bit of a, uh, it's a little bit of a piss off. Can I say that? Oh yeah, um, go for it. It's a little bit of a piss off, man. And and you know what? I'm blessed to have the business that I have. That although it affected me, it it's not going to really you know cause uh, any interruptions in the way of life that I live, especially with my family. But there's millions of people who literally had to lose their shirt, and 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 just for you to go and revert back to four percent. Well, I'm I'm just glad finally, Steve, we found somebody else that renewed their mortgage with a six in front of it. So I'm not in the club all on my own. No. Um, but so for you, you went through that situation. Okay. You're in a position that you can handle that situation. You don't like that situation. What about your clients? Like are you talk are, is any of your clients ha they have to be in that situation? Is that causing people to sell? Is that getting listings to the market? So you know what? Again, we work in, in a little bit of a different market where majority of our clients are 55 plus mm. and they have that nest egg or they yeah, have that equity. egg, they have that equity built or we're dealing with young families that have really, really decent jobs and can weather the storm. However, we know where we live. We know our clients. The only clients that are really hurting are the investors that did the variables or did the, you know, one year terms. Most of my clients safe people, they go with the five year and we won't be seeing theirs up until next year, the year after. 
Steve, are you noticing any of that? You're bringing a ton of listings to the market right now. Is anyone, I know you can't really say much because they're actively on the market, but is anyone in a position that they need to sell because of mortgage renewals? Nobody, absolutely yeah. nobody. If anything, right now, what they're doing is they're looking at uh, the most frequent, more than 50% of the phone calls I'm getting right now are townhome owners that have been there for four or more years. And they are going, wait a minute, those house prices just came down like a couple hundred grand and our townhouse only lost 50 grand. So when I do that payment and then the difference on every hundred thousand dollars extra I have to borrow, I'm like, wait, this is $1,500 cheaper than it was in September to move now. So all of them are looking at it and going, oh, maybe this is something we can do, but there's a trap right now. And that trap is not everybody out there yet knows that money is cheaper five-year fixed rates, right? Mm -hmm. Are at 499 to 509. And it hasn't hit the news cycle yet, but buyers that are interested in getting in homes are out there already. So what's yeah. going to happen? This spring, it's going to be a slow, steady start to the spring. And I think by March and April, we're going to be back, at least in my market, there's a very good potential we're going to be back into crazy time because as you said at the very beginning, we're telling people like, buy time is is now guys like it's not going to get better than this for the rest of the year december's always buy time august is always buy time but nobody ever listens to me then so you're going to wait until february march and then you're going to be mad that you're competing with all the other people that waited till february and march <laughs> right like don't why do we get up in this in this trajectory it's almost like mating season for real estate Right. It's almost like you could do it at any other time that you could have a baby at any other time of the year, but everybody's going to go into this time. Right. Like it makes no sense to me. Like you, there are opportunities out there right now and people are not taking them because they want to wait until their neighbors and friends and the news all say it's a good time. They're not comfortable till everybody else is comfortable. Right. And then that's great. Now, now here's where I might I might differ um, on the whole weight strategy. The weight strategy is great, I think, if you're downsizing or if you're cashing out of the market altogether. If you're doing a lateral move or uh, an upward move, weight is not the option right now. I just don't I think agree. it's a smart move. So, so are I all your folks then? Are all your folks then that you're saying, "Hey, we're going to wait"? So that's to achieve a price, but. Obviously, if they're going to do achieve a price, they're doing their purchase off of today's purchase price because they don't think the purchase is going to move and they don't understand that the, the mm -hmm. purchase is going to move just with their price as well. Yeah, we have one or two clients in that exact situation. And no matter how many times you drill it through their head, that look, that especially in our one scenario, they need to move to Yorkville from Niagara-on-the-Lake. I'm like, whoa, buyers are still out right now. You're not going to get your one nine, but you'll get your one seven, and then you'll get that place for one five. Mm -hmm. If you wait, okay, you might get your one eight, one nine, one two, but that's going to be one eight to two million as well, and it just doesn't make sense. Um, so, no, you're absolutely right, and we have been having that conversation. Like, look, if you're if you're okay with this price, let's go because there's buyers out there. Are you noticing? So we talked about how the listings are a little bit slow right now for you guys in your market. But are are the the buyers your team is working with are buyers like are you having calls with people that want to do things or is it just slow across the board? 
Well, you know what? The buyers are still just so conflicted with, okay, so do I buy now or do I just wait a few months when the rates go down? And it's just, it's like, it's very difficult, even with actual numbers and data to get it through to their heads sometimes that, okay, this is a good move. Okay. get And here's the thing. I don't blame them. Like if, who am I? I'm not a mortgage broker. I always say, look, as an investor and as a homeowner myself, if I was buying, this is what I would do. I'd buy at a discount right now and I would do a one-year fixed. That's what I would do. Then I'd just refi after one year. The problem with that is that even if it's a variable or one year, over the past three years, it's done nothing but go up. I understand why they don't necessarily want to take that jump, but I mean, it's been a clear indicator that they're going down. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think it's like we all have have different opinions in our own markets at what is going to happen or what's not going to happen. I still think that this early on, um, at Steve's market sounds like there's enough data to actually come to a conclusion on something. I think in your market, there's not enough sales that have happened to even know where prices stand right now. Um, yeah. And we're, we're slowly kind of learning that in Toronto. I'd be curious to know. So, you know, you took your business to a space where you're dealing with. I actually, before we started, I, I went to Realtor.ca and checked out some of your active listings. And you've got stuff in the two plus three million dollar range. Mm-hmm. Those type of properties in any market take a long time to sell. I'd be curious on what can a seller do? Someone listening to this podcast that maybe has a property and, and for a moment, let's pretend that it's actually priced somewhat correctly, not completely overpriced, right? What can they do to be creative? What can their realtor do to be creative with marketing to make sure it gets in front of more eyes? Like I know you guys are great with videos and everything that you do. For those high-end listings, is there mm-hmm. something on top of just going to MLS and being priced right that actually gets that gets those properties sold in front of the right buyers? That's a really good question, you know, and, and it also ties into what you wanted to ask me before we end the pod, I'm sure, um, about the 90% agent-to-agent referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did is um, we teamed up with Virginia Munden mm-hmm. um, from the Buzz Conference, and we actually invited um, all the top 50 invitation-only uh, luxury clients down to our brokerage, had a quick little presentation, had a couple speakers, and then, we, uh, and then we toured around um, our listings. And so when you can build excitement, um, you know, we have some of our listings featured on a TV show that's coming out in spring. Um, We have a really, really good, solid contact with PR and media teams where we've created custom articles. And I know you've got experience with this, Tom, um, where, you know, there's a company out there. There's Luxury Toronto, Luxury New York, Luxury Niagara. We're the solo partner with Luxury Niagara. So we we get all the benefits of building and designing what would appear to be a blog or travel website that's completely customized in such a way that elevates the property. But outside of that, I mean, you know, broker open houses, we do that too. And we get people to come by offering free listing videos as, as a promotion, free headshots to come in. Um, but we found, you know, is 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 really creating an event based around the properties and inviting the best of the best. Um, that, that's kind of been what's working with us, you know? Steve, have you seen anything creative marketing-wise? I got a story I'm going to tell you guys here. I think you'll get a good laugh out <clears throat> of it. Have you seen anything in your market that people are doing to grab attention for properties that aren't selling? 
I'm going to call out past guest Matt Leonetti. I just saw him post a reel that says if you're an agent with a unique or strategic marketing strategy, basically you're bullshit. (laughs) Matt, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. And you can come back on anytime to defend yourself. But what I'm saying, so here, and let let me tell you exactly why, because these are my own team's stats. This is something I have just gone over and we are, I'm, I'm actually changing the structure of how we market properties as a result because we have a very uniform way of listing a property. For instance, I'll give you something as simple as the day you hit the market. For tenant, landlord, or homeowner insurance policies, go to squareone.ca slash the Tom Story Show. Use the link in the description. Save $20 when you start your free quote right now. The day you hit the market for me uh, has to be, and it's evident in our numbers now, a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Ideally, Tuesday. Tuesday is my day too. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. have to hit the market on a Tuesday. So what I did was I went and I said, okay, I grabbed all of the listings that we listed this year, just us. And then I... I grabbed the ones where the client was insistent that we hit on a Thursday or a Friday. They were insistent. I need it on this day. And so obviously I'm not going to turn away the business. I'm just going to say, listen, this isn't optimal, but you're the boss here. The optimal day is Tuesday. No, I want it on this Thursday. Next Tuesday is better. This Thursday. Okay, fine. So I actually went through the numbers and one of our stats uh, that any good agent should know is their days on market. So. Average days on market for someone that listed on a Tuesday was seven. Average days on market for somebody that listed on a Thursday or a Friday was over 20. Hmm. And list to sale ratio was right there with it. Properties that listed on a Tuesday sold for more. Now I'm sitting here thinking, why is that? That's, I mean, it is a listing strategy. Matt, come back on, fight me on this. Um, <laughs> But I'm sitting there and then I'm, I'm actually discussing uh, with one of my buyer's agents and she's like, you know, if I see anything more than eight days on the market, I'm wondering why you didn't sell in that first weekend. Well, you didn't sell in that first weekend because you hit Thursday and all of your marketing has not populated correctly across the internet. Nobody saw your it open houses, your, your feature sheets aren't in the property. Uh, yeah. Everything might not be perfectly in line for the Saturday, Sunday open houses. Which is true because you can't get all of your marketing. Like a lot of our marketing depends on hitting the MLS and then things happening after that. So you need that three-day buffer. So she goes, well, if something has 11 days on the market instead of three, Mm. why didn't they sell the first week? Well, the reason they didn't sell the first week is because no buyers in that first weekend actually thought that the property was good enough to offer on. So now seven days, we're going to, or 11 days, we're going to offer less. And it has nothing to do with the property being better or worse or anything else. It has everything to do with the marketing strategy that was taken on by the agent in order to get that property and get the most amount of people in that property for the first open house, which should happen on the Saturday, Sunday. Don't say open house in front of Tom's story because he doesn't like them. But it is a marketing strategy that is there to prepare yourself. And that is a big, big difference and I can't even remember why we're talking about this now. But is this something that I just anal- just analyzed <laughs> in my business this week? It is a big deal. So you, oh, it's because you you found some sort of silly article or something that you're going to point out, Tom, that, that yeah. shows some sort of silly marketing strategy, like trying yes. to sell a home in Bitcoin or something. 
Yeah. So, or, or, you know, you see the listings where every photo has like the person, the dinosaur costume or something kind of silly, but it grabs attention. Free tacos. It goes, it goes mini viral, whatever it is. Right. Or you guys remember that guy that did the floss in every pan? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? So it was, yeah. uh, I think it was it an was, American was guy, wasn't it? From the States? No, I think it was on Ontario somewhere or, really? or maybe back east, maybe Nova Scotia or something. But every time the the video panned across the room, he was in one corner of the room just doing the floss doing and the that floss. freaking video got millions and millions of views and it was hilarious. So I'm going to hold my story for a second because I want to get to something for Andrew here. So we had already talked about, so the typical clients you're working with are 55 plus and that's why they have yeah. these larger homes because they've had them for longer, right? It makes sense. Um, who's buying them? Who's making the offers? Who are these people? That's a that's a really good question. So when I first started here, nobody was buying them other than 55 plus people. Mm. The reason why is Niagara on the Lake is um, a retirement destination. Everybody knows it. It's like, hey, I'm going to move to Niagara on the Lake, the Hamptons, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Um, and they do that because of the lifestyle community that it offers. However... You know, and this is what we were worried about when we started having kids too. It's like, okay, we're going to move closer into town. Our neighbor's going to be like 60, 70 years old, or is there going to be kids? All right. So since COVID, 2020, 2021, 2022, we saw a massive influx of young families. So, and that's why Niagara on the Lake is its own little bubble. So there hasn't been a lot of value decrease in Niagara on the Lake. I think it was... Um, at the highest, maybe 5% year over year, uh, mm. where places like Welland, Port Colburn, St. Catharines were like 10, 20, 30% in some cases. So what's interesting about that is, you know, the fact that this community offers so much to a variety of different people that in each location is so custom, each home is custom. So what appeals to, you know, one buyer might not appeal to the other, but they love it so much that they're willing to keep that sales volume at a certain price. I've always wondered um, with some of the other brands, right, that have been around for a while that focus their marketing on we are a luxury brand. A lot of it behind, I don't know if it's quite bullshit or if there's some truth behind it. There's usually a piece of truth in everything that's said, but is that like, we will market your property worldwide. Oh my, okay. So I, let's I talk, let, let's talk about it. So let's talk to about our it. foreign buyer band to country. our foreign buyer. Band, yes. <laughs> but, but that is still a thing that sellers have the perception that matters. Yes. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. You you will get this question. What is the answer to yeah. this question? Well, I, I interviewed this agent over here that said that they have worldwide mar marketing initiatives. What do you do? Okay. So let's just use one of the most popular international luxury brands. There's no doubt that that brand is, you know, it, it, it's well known for luxury. Now, when they say we will promote uh, worldwide, you know, and they list off, you know, these marketing vehicles. If you go and actually do the research and find where these advertisements are, it's just of the brand. They're not actually marketing your house. Oh. So you see a big brokerage ad and you click on it and then you got to navigate, find your town, find this. Where what's the value in that when people only have a five second attention span? So what we do 
is we physically listed 50,000 magazines a month. We're partners with the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Globe and Mail. We're in China, Europe, India, Latin America. And that's this is your actual listing being promoted to these countries and to these websites. That costs... It, it costs actual marketing dollars to do that. You can't just rely on your brokerage to say that they market worldwide at no cost. There's always a cost to something, and there's a cost of not doing your own research. And that's why I always say to you know interview at least three people. That's really interesting. So you're not saying that we don't do it or it couldn't potentially be something where someone lives somewhere else and their friend lives in Toronto and even though they can't buy it, they send the listing to their friend. Like there's a path that it could create a buying opportunity, but it's also similar to, and this is where Steve will go back to what Matt says about the you know strategy, the listing strategy or whatever he called it. It's like, yeah, listen, some agents say they have this crazy listing strategy and they spend X amount of dollars on it, but their listing strategy is spending X amount of dollars on putting their face on billboards not your right. property so it's right. kind of yeah. the same and that's where the bullshit factor factors in it's like yeah that's a very good way of presenting something to somebody but is that actually helping them sell their house yeah i don't know probably not yeah 100 i completely agree with you and you know that's why we do everything is is customized per client and, and we're always looking at ways to innovate and make things better. Our VP of sales, Crystal Simons, just reached out to your team a couple of days ago. And, uh, you know, thank you. You actually sent them some information. So we really appreciate that. But, it, you know, it, it's all I told her was list on Tuesdays. That's all I said, <laughs> which we do already. So no, he said he said thank you because there was a response. And she's used to just talking to other agents who don't respond at all. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I point something out here about the foreign buyer thing and the foreign exposure thing? Because sure. this is such a so at the peak, what did we have na nationally? Six hundred and sixty thousand sales annually in like twenty twenty one. I think that something. was our biggest year ever in twenty twenty one on so, on market MLS sales. And I think we can all agree that the number that they say has actually happened in it that was foreign buyers at that time. I'm going to say it was about one to one and a half percent. It was about yeah, right. But let's say it's two and a half percent. Let's go double what I think it is. Um, that's still, you know, everybody else thought it was a hundred percent of the transactions, but let's say it's in, in fact, two and a half percent, that's 16,500 sales or purchases, I guess, by a foreign buyer per year. But now just our permanent residents, because all of these 1.2 million people coming in per quarter or whatever it is now that, you know, those, they're not all permanent residents, but there's at least 500,000 permanent residents. How many permanent residents do you think are going to transact? Because in most five years? in the next year, as soon as you get your permanent residency, those are the majority of my phone calls right now. So mm. I'm going to say, let's let's just do the math on that. Let's say there's uh, five hundred thousand, and let's say only, All right? Maybe ten percent of the nah, fifteen percent. Let's say let's pick a stupid number. Thirteen percent of them transact. <laughs> That's 65,000 sales. What does it matter? What does it matter if we just bore, ban foreign buyers? It's not well, a realistic it thing. It obviously it hasn't making, changed anything. You're making, more, you're making more right now, more uh, foreigners, Canadians, than were ever buying property as foreigners originally. It was never a, never a consideration. So I don't know. It's all uh, another one of those things that they blame to make it look like they've done something. It's 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 just a part of the political game. 
it's it's part of um because you're right the perception is it's like oh look at all the toronto people moving here there like maybe 10 percent of our clients last year were from toronto um the years before that it was like 50 60 okay but at the same time it's just that perception and then you know the government gets this play hero when they implement something like this but it doesn't do anything and plus the people that are buying are are finding so many ways around it they're starting businesses they're they're buying it through a friend there's uh, there's so many ways around it but also now people are just like well let's screw it then i don't even want to come to canada let's go buy in florida let's go buy in costa rica let's go buy here people where we're where we're wanted and this is going to come back and bite us in the ass big time I've just everything a, collectively i've got a fun question uh i'll share the story really quick so this was just this was a, a lease listing in a building that had just launched so there was many for lease at the same time and it was competitive because the exact same floor plans were for lease all over the building and every picture of this lease listing, I don't know this agent that did it, but it's populating everywhere, had, if, if anyone that watches this show knows what Rick and Morty is, you know what Pickle Rick is. If you don't know, you think I'm insane right now. There was a Pickle Rick in every picture of this listing. And the description of the listing was like written by as if it was Pickle Rick. It was actually hilarious. And I was like, oh, this is pretty funny. Um, now, I wouldn't personally want my name attached to that, me. Um, but I do think it's an interesting way of uh, of marketing properties. But I, I wouldn't want my name attached. But I, I will say it got attention. Rick, I have no idea what Pickle Rick is. Yeah, Steve wouldn't get what Pickle Rick is. Now, there was my quick story on that. My, my next story, which is more, well, not so much a story, but a question for you, Andrew. So I saw an article come up. And, it, and people were losing their minds because it was like these people that were 60-something years old and they had a cat. And the article is about how their cat had its own bedroom and we have a housing affordability crisis in this country people are living in tents and this cat god love him probably a great cat probably lives a great life deserves that bedroom has a bedroom this cat's rent free got its own room doing its thing and there's people that can't even afford to buy their own property because the boomers have all the space so when you're selling these big homes for the 55 plus is it two people and all the kids have moved out in a 3,000 square foot house. Let's be honest here. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. They've earned right. it. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. They've earned it. That's their house. They don't need to do anything. Their cat can have whatever the hell it wants. But are you noticing that? Is like these two people are living in big houses? Yeah. Yeah. But it's mainly because they have, you know, younger kids. With, with this new generation, there's not a lot of people that stay in their hometowns. Right. There's a lot. They're going out, exploring the world, which is great. It's what I did. But the family dynamic, they don't want to disrupt. So they buy these houses. So that's where my uh, daughter's going to stay. That's where her kids are going to stay. This is where my son's going to stay with his kids. And that's why they're got, that's why they're doing it. They want space to entertain. They want they want people to come together on the holidays and they you don't want to be forgotten, I guess. Right. Because our business is all over the place. We got first-time home buyers. We have first-time sellers that upsize. We help people's parents downsize. You know, that's kind of the where our clientele is at right now. Steve, I know for you, a lot of your Can listings I are probably this exact scenario. No, a big house with two people? I'm not going to lie. This is hilarious. This is actually a client I helped. They might be listening to this now because I met them off at YouTube. Uh, I sold their property for them early this year. I want to say it was a 5,000-square-foot house. The cat had its own bedroom. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wow. in there. Full gym, like cat gym, the whole thing. <laughs> they were by far, uh, not by far, because I don't want to discourage the rest of my clients, but they were like the most amazing people of the whole year. Um, they were fantastic. It was like people I've never met before and were hugging on the listing appointment, like just great people. But yeah, that was it. Like it was a big house. Um, you know, they had great jobs, business owners and, and professionals. Um, and it was empty nest and yeah, it's time to get rid of this thing. And the buyer of that property, empty nesters. So here's, here's where this conversation goes. We have a vacant home tax in the city of Toronto and in Ottawa and Steve, you've got it in your market. I'm going to help the politicians out here for something that everyone's going to hate and I don't think should happen. Empty Empty room tax. Your rooms have to be filled (laughs) in your house or you get taxed on it. Do you actually have that? No, you don't. No, but the federal government has the underused housing tax now, of which I have no idea what the stipulations are, but the stipulations I believe are if the government deems you're underusing your real estate. So elect that guy in one more round and guess what he's going to invoke next. Yeah. How many people are in that, you know, in that home, right? It's, we almost went a whole episode of Steve not getting political. We almost made it. We almost made it. I don't know. How can you, how can you separate? No, no, no. We already did the foreign buyer tax thing. Um, or the foreign buyer ban. How can you separate housing and politics right now? You cannot separate them. It is, it is so interwoven. Everything that is being done at, at a political end is to try and fix the housing crisis without building more homes and only adding more people, which is taxation. And taxation is stupid because it doesn't fix anything ever. It never fixes anything. Actually, let's do one better. I agree. Name me one thing that taxation has fixed to date from like to now. Go. Oh, definitely the carving tax. This episode of the Tom Story Show is sponsored by Carish Real Properties. Here's the deal. If you're moving to Fraser Value, oh my God. Here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see if you can at least get this right, Tom, because you've screwed it up so many times before. Fraser? Say it with me. Fraser. 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 Valley. Fraser. Okay. Yep. Fraser. Pick it up from there. Fraser Valley. Fraser Valley. Fraser. No. No. Fraser. Fraser Valley. Rick Just Razor. say sir. Surrey. If you're moving to Surrey, there's one person that you need to call, and it just so happens to be my podcast co-host. Now, I am I make lots of jokes, you know, at Steve's expense during the podcast. But but the reality is, if I was moving to Surrey or the surrounding areas, I would call him because they're really damn good at what they do. They understand the market. And I know whether you're buying tomorrow or you're going to buy in two years, they will be with you until the end of the transaction. They know what they're talking about. They have experience. Even though Steve looks old, he's not actually that old. So he's still kind of hip, right? He still kind of knows what's going on. But I have personally referred my clients when they're moving out there to Steve and his team, and they've always done an amazing job and rolled out the red carpet for them. Now, Steve, I know it's weird that you're even here as I'm doing this ad read, but if someone were to be moving to your area, how could they connect with you? Uh, super simple. You can go into the show notes, uh, book a call with me right now using the link in the description of this show. Uh, pick a time that works best for you. Set up a call, either a buyer 
consultation, a seller consultation, or Tom Story's line, if you just want to have a chat about real estate, you can do that too using the link in the description below. Yeah. And I know uh, from personal experience with my clients, you know, connecting with Steve is that it's it's a no pressure situation. You're just going to be educated. And when you're ready to make that decision, they'll be there to guide you through it. Also, if you are a real estate agent that listens to our show and you have clients moving out to the West Coast of Canada, connect with Steve first and see if they can be of assistance. You can go into the first link in the description and book that call with Steve directly as well. Thank you. And now back to the show. Wait, Tom, you forgot one thing. This communication is not intended to cause or induce breach of any agency agreement. Existing agency agreement? I think I got it right. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, don't start. <laughs> don't start. With I just saw the best meme of all time. I just saw the best meme of all time. I can't use the word that was used, but it basically said you're this if you believe that climate change can be fixed by paying the government more money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, you believe, if you believe the fix is paying the government more no no denial of climate change just saying the fix isn't hey take more of my paycheck mm -hmm. dummies dummies everywhere i agree but you know what i think olivia chow will probably go with your your cat bedroom tax she, i think so she, she so, definitely likes to tax more i 10.5 percent baby you, let's you go literally you got to my next question before i could <laughs> yeah. even ask it so this is proposed at the moment, but it's going to happen. And we're likely going to see double digit tax increases here in the city. This should not be surprising to anybody when when she won the race. Right? She was very clear. She she didn't say it was going to be double digit, but it was it was a talking point. We knew that it was going right. to happen. And she's basically saying to the provincial government, hey, if you guys don't support us, you don't give us more money to build more housing, well, then we're gonna have to tax the people in Toronto. Um, so after going through a year of crazy interest rates, stress, inflation, everything, yes, it's getting a little bit better, but the interest rates are still high. Add in a global pandemic, guess what? Also, your property taxes are going up. Now, the idea of this is that this money from the people that already own will go towards building more homes for the people that already rent. And I'm not saying that's not true. That will eventually work in five to 10 years from now. But in the next decade, what's going to happen is property taxes go up. Okay, I'm a landlord. I'm in a building that doesn't have rent control. That means my rent goes up. So rent goes mm -hmm. up for the renters. Mm -hmm. And I could go on and on for this. Again, I'm not even saying I'm necessarily in it. I don't want my personal taxes to go up 10%. I think everyone's on the same page there. But I can understand where they're coming from, but nobody seems to be happy about this. But I'm shocked anybody's surprised that this happened. Yeah, well, you know what? I think, and not to uh, kind of to play devil's advocate, I guess, Toronto did have it pretty good there for a long time based on your tax uh, property yeah, we tax had low rates. taxes. Yes. It, was always, it, it was a lot lower than the outs, uh, outlining uh, suburbs. Okay, now let me play the other side again. We pay double land transfer tax just to buy here. So, like, if I uh, was a real estate yeah. agent outside Toronto, I'd be running ads saying, why would you move to Toronto? Property taxes are going up. You pay double land transfer tax and transportation's not safe or it's not on. It's not reliable half the time. Come to Niagara-on-the-Lake. <laughs> Come to Dude, Burlington. That's what I would couple, be saying. I do, I do run ads in <laughs> Toronto. Yep. Is the... Is the um, shortfall of this year's budget it was like 1.8 billion dollars is that the 
downfall of or the difference in how many less sales happened in Toronto this year compared to last year? Is that like the bang on number? Yeah, I haven't I haven't released this video yet, but I had uh, <laughs> I've written this all down. I've thought about all this. No, think, not, think about not this. quite like 500 million, maybe four to 500 million didn't show up from the sales that typically happen from the land transfer tax, but it wasn't 1.8 billion. Think about but it was this. a part of it. Both of you guys in your business right now, if you were guaranteed a million dollars in gross revenue next year, guaranteed it, no matter what you did, you got a million dollars. How efficiently would you have to run your business? You wouldn't care. I mean, you wouldn't really care as much as you do. You if wouldn't care because, or whatever. Right. Maybe it's $2 million. Maybe it's $3 million. You wouldn't care. You're guaranteed to get this just for showing up every day. And you probably don't even mm -hmm. have to show up every day. And you're guaranteed when you come in at the end of the day that your business made a million dollars this year. So how do you care how you spend it? How do you care right. what the deal is? More, How much goes? Sure, it's a for-profit business, right? And you're going to take some for yourself. But let's talk about the the functioning of the business. Let's say no matter what your expenses are, for sure you can take in as much as your expenses are, no threat of not doing that. That's the city of Toronto. They're the worst run business of all time that guarantees that they have an income. That's all it is, hmm. right? Like you're guaranteed a shortfall. And it's not, in no way, I watched her stupid press conference the other day. There was no talks about cutting anything. It was how do we get more money to pay for all the crap mm -hmm. that we're not servicing correctly? What mm -hmm. do you guys have? 17 different trains that aren't built? Uh, right? Hey, I saw them testing them the other day. The LRT was oh. testing after oh, 10 years. I don't know. Like, I, do, you, do you want me to throw out my very unpopular opinion on this as a, as a resident of Toronto? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As a resident parts. of Toronto, it might be popular. It might not be. We'll see. It's popular okay. with half of the people. So this this had come up in talks years ago. Okay, there are parts of the DVP and the Gardner which are located in the city of Toronto boundaries, right? Okay, so we can all agree on that. That's a fact. How many people that drive on the Gardner and the DVP every single day pay taxes in Toronto? Probably 15% of the people. Most of the people don't live here, right? They're going in and out. So what you do is you make those parts of the Gardner and the DVP tolls, mm -hmm. but you only pay a toll if you don't have a Toronto address. I know it's a tax, so Steve's not going to like it, but hear me out. <laughs> Everyone in Toronto, this is like the same idea as banning foreign buyers. It's like, ask the people to ban someone that doesn't even live here. It's like, ask the Torontonians, you want to put a toll for people that don't live here? They're like, yeah, whatever. Now, I get it. People won't like it. It will cause a stir. It would generate so much money for the city where you'd stop having to raise the taxes on the people that actually live here. And then the bordering cities would go, well, hey, screw you guys. If you do this, then we're doing the same thing in Markham and we're doing the same thing here and here. But I think the people from Toronto would be like, fine, you're doing more wear and tear on our city than we're oh, doing. Oh, yeah. Limbies love that. Limbies love that. Tell you what, in Surrey, <laughs> I want everyone that doesn't live in Surrey to be taxed every time they go on a Surrey street. It doesn't work that way because I need to go to Burnaby sometimes. I need to go to Abbotsford. But sometimes. would you be okay, okay paying the tax the other direction if it was nine out of 10 people come to your area versus one goes the other way once in Why? a while? So a poor government can spend more money on crap. So, mm -hmm. What's the point? Right. Like we had my tolls. point was that this is taxing people from outside the city, not the people that already live in the city to earn the same funds for the city. But then what are you going to do next thing? Are you going to start 
carving out what what people are taxed where oh wait that's what our government's doing. I know this is like a, a, a real rabbit hole conversation, but I, I had to bring it up. <laughs> I was talking about it with a fr- with a buddy on the way to hockey last night. I'm like, I know this is kind of crazy, but, but I don't but thought some just... people would be in favor of it. Okay, so then you you sure you create taxes, you siphon off of other people that are how about the people that never use it then should they get a tax rebate like i don't know it's all stupid it's all stupid to put more money back in your do you get a tax rebate if you don't go to the doctor every six months no i wish i did you should go to the doctor steve yeah i I guess i should (laughs) andrew sorry we've taken this in a weird direction but no, uh, dude, I'm, but on, you know, I'm, I'm but, on the carnivore diet right now. I don't need the doctor anymore. I'm on the, oh, there the you hardcore go. Joe, Rogan. Joe Rogan. Here we go. Yeah, there let, we go. Let's do it. I don't need a doctor or anything anymore. <laughs> I, I think if I, I'll just give you one comment. I, I use the 407 every time I go east and north. So I don't. And you're willing care to pay for it, right? 100%. But if I had to pay to get my ass into Toronto, I would never go back. So, so then that creates, so that's great. Less traffic. Yeah. Less business. Less business. Yeah. Oh, Less opportunity for the you know what I've just learned the people that need it the most. Through this conversation is that being a politician, as much as we may love or hate some of them, it's, it's very difficult. Diff- it's very, it's difficult very job. difficult to make decisions yeah. that people aren't gonna hate or find creative ways to to get around. Um okay, final thing I want to bring on this episode, and I just think this is an interesting thing because so many My, of us hang, hang Steve, on, hang go on. on. Yep. For everybody that's a that's on the borderline of millennial and whatever the other one is above that, like I am, it's a pickle. It's just a pickle. No, like I don't understand. Just... It's a cartoon pickle. It's a cartoon pickle. That's all. I, it's all it is. <laughs> that's not. Do I need to watch it. the show or what? You need to watch just that one episode of the show. He's not okay, normally I'll a pickle. That. I'm like, this has just gone off the rails, Andrew. <laughs> Um, So a lot of people bought houses during the pandemic, uh, sight unseen, virtual tours, and then they move in and you and even if you saw it in person and were there for an hour, you learn things about your house when you move into it. So I think this could be kind of a fun, open conversation with the three of us. And I'd love for people in the comments below, if you're watching YouTube, let us know what your answer would be. Okay, so you move into a house. You see it, it's staged, it looks great, but then you get the keys, it's empty, you get your stuff in. And you start learning things about the house in the next few months. So is <laughs> yeah. there anything about your current house that kind of pisses you off, that annoys you, that you wish you had known <sighs> before you bought it? Oh my God, dude. Okay, number one, I think this is probably the best uh, the best representation it probably you've ever heard. Okay, so we move in. We knew the house was going to need a little work. It was the kitchen was fully renovated, but other things, it was a divorced, you know, other things weren't done. So we're like, okay, we got to do the trim. We got to do this. But we went to hook the fridge up and, you know, hook the water up to the fridge and it started coming out hot. So we realized that all the plumbing in the entire house was backwards, (laughs) even though they're color coded. So I think that was the biggest thing uh, next to the uh, crack in the foundation uh, that we did fix and um, just the uh, bird's nest of wires in the basement that we had to cost us five grand to replace. Steve, what about you? I had a foundation crack that sucked. That was uh, really crappy. Um, Can I ask you guys just uh, along these lines, you know when you have like the one hot cold water thing on your sink? 
Do you guys yeah. have that or do you have two separate ones? I have two. Yeah, I have two separate things. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I've got hot and the office is the same way here, hot water. And it's like one thing and it sticks up. And if you push it to the back, it goes either hot or cold. You push it to the front, sure. it goes either hot or cold. Should front or back be hot? Up should be hot. Yeah. Back, I agree. Yeah. Up I agree be because yeah. that way if a kid grabs it, pulls it down, they're not scalding themselves. That's why I think. But I'm amazed at the amount of homes I go into where down and forward is hot. Anyway, that you know is the type of insight we bring to the real estate. Do you estate. know what <laughs> drives me insane is that even in new houses, and this goes back to just the trades work that's being done, the outlets, like the, sometimes they're not centered. They're like slightly to the right or slightly yeah, to the... And yeah. I'm like, come on. Like after all this, you couldn't spend freaking two seconds to line this thing up correctly. You must um, have our electrician. Well, I can tell you from my house, what I learned is that there wasn't dimmers on enough of the lights and I don't like really bright and I don't like really dark. I like this yeah, like middle ground. So I'm having an electrician in next week to take care of all these things. And then this is like a soup. I'm actually surprised I'm going to share this. But in our upstairs bathroom where the toilet paper roll is sitting, you kind of you basically put out your back. You're like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, I could maybe yeah, not move yeah. now. I could fall over right now. Those are the two things I've learned about my house. You know what? Speaking about the lights, about, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, all the lights in the entire house burnt out. I had to mm. go to the store, the hardware store, and I, I came home with 50 lights. And I had to replace them all throughout the house. And then a few months later, all the kitchen lights went. And they're all LEDs that were supposed to have like 30,000 hours. So I have to get another box of like 25 lights. Oh, oh, I have one. I have one. I have one. Um, you know, the, the, so you got your range and you got the microwave or, or hood fan over the range. Sure. Well, my house oh, has a mic microwave, right? So rather than a hood fan, it's got okay. the microwave. Yeah. Personally, if you cook, that's not ideal. Like it's a space saver, but it's not ideal. But the microwave so, has the fan like under it. It has right? the fan I mean, in it, but I mean, yeah. I want the whoop ass fan so I can, yeah. you know, so that's fine. So we're like, uh, we, we did the countertops. I was like, let's take that thing down and see what we can do. The guy that built my house actually was a cabinet maker. Hmm. Two things he did. One, in all the bathrooms, he put in wooden countertops, which are now all kind of blistering and peeling, which is the <laughs> stupidest thing in the world. But but two, when I took down that fan, he didn't finish the sides of the cabinets. So if I wanted to, so it's just uh, like, it's just like, it's not, and it's not even really, it's not finishable. It's like raw, basically like um, particle board or whatever. So as soon as I took that thing down, I'm like, I can't even put a proper hood fan in here now. So I would have to redo my kitchen cabinets in order just to put a hood fan in. So we had to go buy a new fancier microwave version of which we can't stand. To this day, I see that thing every single day and I'm like, I wish I didn't have that here. <laughs> and everyone has a version of that in their yeah. house, right? So let us know in the comments what uh, what it is about your house that, that annoys More you. More importantly, you let, us, let us know cold water front or hot water front. Like pull down, let yeah. us know which way that's supposed to go. Andrew, we've kept you a little bit longer than, than we asked for your time, so we really appreciate it. I hope you hope you enjoyed uh, hanging out with mm -hmm. us today. I love this conversation. This was free flow, and this was awesome. Um, wait, 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 wait. What yeah. about the 90%? The 90%? How, how do I get 
agent referrals. Oh in my yeah, business. okay, fine. You've listened this long. Uh, you're you know you're either really into real estate or you're a real estate agent. How yeah. the hell is ninety percent of your business agent to agent? I'd say my business is like twenty twenty percent, which is pretty mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. uh, how's that possible? Uh, well, number one, when I first started out in real estate, I marketed outside of my market uh, because I knew that this is a small town. They're going to know if you're new or not. I was like, okay, so why don't I try to advocate for the town of Niagara-on-the-Lake and, and mm. how we can bring people in? And so agents would just start seeing that and send me real estate deals. Uh, but also Facebook groups, you just share as much value as possible. And before I was really good at hiding spam. So what so I would do a post that's offering value. Uh, and then I would geotag where I am. Uh. Now when I see people do that, it's like, Oh, yeah, I know what you're doing. Um, but the biggest thing is, is I gave everybody free Facebook cover photos or business card designs. I thought maybe like 10 people would reach out and 500 people did. So there you go. I got 500 agent emails right away. Uh, and after that, I later became one of the admins of the group. Um, but it's just a continuous um, value add. You know, things like you guys do with your courses and things like that. It's just in, in accessibility as well. So if anybody wants to reach me, I'll usually respond within, you know, 30 seconds to a minute uh, if I'm not doing something with my family. But other than that, we're getting back to them very, very quickly. So it's a consistent effort. Yes, I'm on my phone a lot, uh, but it's that consistent effort that leads to it. I like it. And I, and I assume that that took, uh, you know, a few years to build up. That wasn't an overnight, like, oh, I send out some cover photos and, you know, <laughs> now I sell 70 homes all from other realtors, right? This was a grind for a bit. Uh, yeah, my first year in real estate, actually, I was probably about 30% agent-to-agent referrals. Nice. And I remember celebrating my first year in real estate and I got so many DMs. What? You're That's only first year in real estate? Well, you know, thank goodness you did a good job for our clients. So it, it actually did happen pretty quickly. And I just think if 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 that is your intention and you mm. make it a big piece of your business, because for many referrals, it's just like, yeah, here, I'll help you. But when you're a part of something where it's like, okay, no, now I'm tracking you down. I know you've got a referral for this area, so I'm calling your brokerage, I'm calling you, I'm texting you, I'm emailing you, I'm hitting you up on Instagram, and it's the value that they see, holy smokes, if he's working for himself that hard, imagine how hard he's gonna work for my clients. I think that is so smart that if you're brand new at something in an area where the everyone else knows you're brand new is marketing yourself to other areas that you're the person, for, like I think that whatever brought you to that thought at the beginning was obviously very well thought out. It's worked really well for you. That's that's very, very smart. Especially because like, not that your area is niche, but it's like, it's a little bit out there to others. So other people maybe just don't even know who the big agents are there. And like, oh, then this is the that's guy. Right. And then you manifest it and then you become the guy, right? And you know what? It, it's, it was a lot of promotion of what the community offers and yeah. less about real estate so we're a big wine area so i'd be like oh i'm here drinking this wine it's great tastes awesome um oh i'm here i'm picking wine uh, or picking grapes for uh you know the for the harvest in october it's like you're just doing small things that every time they saw me post a photo or video the background it's all intentional people saw what i wanted them to see and that's how it worked 
Well, I think you're doing an awesome job. The 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 short form videos you've been doing lately are like top tier. So like really Thanks, man. shout out on that. You're doing a great job. The podcast is awesome. The studio is great. I got to go there last year. That's been going really well. And and then the YouTube stuff. I know you're you're doing it finally. I'm I'm <laughs> we're excited to see you build that thing because <laughs> you can be the realtor in that market that puts out content just for that market and you will I mean, you'll take over more market share than you already have. Yeah, yeah, you know that I you told me you're like I'm going to stay on you and I just I, I I put out a few videos and you know what I just I just I just found so much success in what I'm doing so I'm just sticking for that for now until I have somebody help me out with a full on plan cuz I tell you everything I do is efficient because I'm lazy and anything new that requires me to go out and spend too much time to dedicate it. It's just really difficult for me. <laughs> I think it's cause I have three kids, man. I only got so much more time. Yeah, no, that is fair. Well, thank you for coming on, man. This was an awesome episode for people that are listening that want to connect with you, whether it's a realtor that has someone moving to your market or someone already in your market or looking to buy there. Uh, what's the best place for them to go? Honestly, Instagrams, I, I very OCD, so I need to see those notifications. Gone. What's your Instagram uh, ID? Uh, at the Andrew Perry. Send me a DM, I'll respond, I follow back. Okay, awesome. Steve, any final words of wisdom to wrap this thing up? Uh, yeah, tax more. Keep going. Let's see how much tax we can get. Let's see if we can get to 99.9% tax. Let us know how much no, you man. love tax in the comments. Yeah, yeah tax is great. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening uh, on behalf of the channel sponsor, Realty Ninja, and uh, Andrew joining the show today. And Steve, uh, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.